excited today because we have Lena Klingeman. Yeah. And Lena is an incredibly gifted classical actress. She's been on television. She's also a singer-songwriter. She's an amazing human. Um, and I've known Lena for, God, maybe like five years now we met doing some Shakespeare together. Um, yep. And Lena's got an insane resume that's that's just amazing. She's one of the few, I was going to say the few women, which is a big deal, but also the few people in general that I know who have been able to make a living as a regional theater actor. It's like a really difficult thing to do these days with, with the way that the landscape has changed. And she's just continually blown me away with, with all of her work. She's absolutely inspiring. Um, and I, I wanted to have her on today because in addition to being a Shakespeare nerd myself, uh, Lena is playing Hamlet uh, right now at Col uh, Colorado Shakespeare Theater. That's what it's called, right? And she's a woman. And she's Shakespeare a woman. Festival. <laughs> Shakespeare <laughs> Festival, yes. Um, and this is rare. This is hardly done. She's playing, she's playing Hamlet, but she's also playing Hamlet as a woman. Um, and so Which we're so very excited cool. to have very her. Very feminist, very cool. Hi, Lena. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. there anything you want to add? <laughs> No, that is, I have to live up to it now. Ah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we always start asking everybody, uh, are you a feminist? Why or why not? Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Deeply, deeply. Since I was a young, just since I was born, I feel like. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, why? Be because. <laughs> like, <I could laughs> Great answer. Be, it's a little hard for me to think that someone can, a, be a woman and not be, but, but I think that like that term is open to anyone and everyone who wants equality because, um, basically like equality is, means for all, not just for women, not just for a certain kind of woman or a certain kind of identifying woman, um, that if there's equality for women, there's equality for men, there's equality for anyone across, um, the gender fluidity line, in my opinion, and sexuality as well, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We like to say any clam. All clams are yeah, welcome. Any clam. All clams. <laughs> you represent, yeah. You want to represent clams, you are. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I'll ask this question as well because I'm the layman here. So if you two Shakespeare nerds uh, could yeah. please give me um, a brief synopsis of the play Hamlet. Sure thing. <laughs> uh, Hamlet is. Uh, Basically, the you know, in the in the typical uh, approach to it, not my approach, the prince of Denmark, uh, heir to the throne, uh, the character's father is dies under mysterious circumstances, um, and then within less than uh, two months from the from his death, from the father's death, uh, Hamlet's mother remarries and remarries uh, Hamlet's uncle, so meaning Hamlet's father's brother. Um, so if that you know, if it wasn't hard enough to grieve one's father, now you have to put on a brave face and be excited that your mother's marrying someone new within two months and that someone new happens to be uh, related to your father and is now your uncle. And seemingly the marriage is uh, one of, you know, there's joy, we'll just say, in the marriage. Um, Hamlet experiences her father's ghost and then I'm going to Obviously, do her god it's like her. music to my ears yeah exactly i'm like it's a it's a funny gender fun thing this so is like porn <laughs> it's like <laughs> she hamlet princess he, she, ah! they, exactly princess 
so uh so it meets her father's ghost uh and is incited to action because her father she learns has been um killed without w- murdered by her uncle who's now married to her father and uh also been sent to basically purgatory in in that in that time period's belief because there was no reckoning made with the higher power and so her father's just doomed to walk the night uh every single night until um his sins are purged so not <laughs> only that to make matters worse she's avenging um her father and um goes basically to figure out if indeed the information her father as a ghost gives her is true, which is that the uncle has killed him with poison. She sets out on a course of um, putting on an antic disposition, which is basically a kind of madness um, and acting kind of kooky and crazy, which allows her to sort of move through the castle with more ease and people dismiss her easily. Um, They talk in front of her. They disregard some of the feelings that she has. And it's a mask for her, um, her true feelings about her uncle, as well as the marriage and uh, what she's actually doing, which is seeking, seeking to avenge her father. When she puts on a play she gets the oppo- she gets the uh, opportunity to put on a play because the players happen to come to the castle um, she figures this will be a great litmus test to, to check out her uncle's uh, conscience she proves herself correct and the ghost correct and from this point on she goes um, she goes on a course for vengeance although before she can get on that real course she goes to her mother and kills Polonius and spoiler alert whoopsies (laughs) and uh and um who happens to be you know the father of her now ex-girlfriend um which is a whole nother side story and yes and then um and then in so doing knows that she will be exiled or possibly even put to death and gets sent to england where she continues to plot how to return um to Denmark and and seek vengeance, but is constantly basically experiencing roadblocks, some from herself, some from outside forces, and comes back to Denmark after a, an amazing experience with pirates on a ship. <laughs> he just loves to cram all sorts of weird shit together. All sorts of weird shit. Uh, uh, many people cut that part, but that is, <laughs> that is what happens. Um, she sends her friends to death in, in place of her own death. Um, because Claudius, you know, plots against her. She comes back, and then as she's trying to plot another round of vengeance against Claudius, uh, Laertes, whose father is Polonius, seeks vengeance against her, and they have a duel. And in the duel, everyone dies. Yes. So Shakespeare, original writer of soap operas slash Days of Our Lives fans, get back to Shakespeare. Yeah, it's like the OG Red Wedding. Totally. Yeah. Up in there. Yeah. That was um, an amazing summary. I just want to point out all students, uh, don't read the cliff notes. Listen to Clambake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all high school students, please tune in. Um, that is Just as you were describing, though, I was like, I just came up with another question that's not on our list. But I was like, are you playing Hamlet uh, as a man or a woman? Are you using pronouns? Like, how is that working? Yeah, as a, it's fully as a woman. Um, uh, when I was interviewed by the New York Times, I was like, yep, in a dress. Yep. Like, I love it. Full, 
full-blown woman doing it in heels and skirts and um we fight in more of a fencer kind of outfit but um but indeed it is it is uh you know woman capital w but there's lots of there's lots of little hiccups in there that i like to throw in um which i'll talk about but uh we did change the pronouns um so that it was at least to the eyes and ears i don't know cohesive um but it it actually i was just speaking with some friends about this um we did change from lord hamlet to lady hamlet mm-hmm. which is mentioned a few times in scansion and it does it does cause it you know there's a little bit of a hiccup but there's a lot of prose in this that it doesn't that doesn't change the rhythms um but also i will say that you can you know there's tons of feminine endings and and shakespeare challenges the pure scansion idea a great bit in this play so oh, yeah. your ear falls accustomed to it quite easily um and it's very exciting and freeing and well worth the well worth the minute changes it does it does make and are you playing hamlet as a queer woman because i heard you say hamlet's girlfriend yes hamlet's girlfriend uh i mean basically that hamlet loves ophelia so uh that you know to me is like labels or not she she loves a woman and that's just her truth <laughs> it's so that's, you know. well since since we're at the subject of ophelia um yeah. ophelia is a really difficult uh controversial character there's a whole book written called reviving ophelia that's about like young adolescent women it's like a psychology text and ophelia has um is often portrayed as uh very weak and you know supported by the text is this uh notion that all of her power is through men all of her um she can't do anything unless it's through her in in the text her brother her father or her boyfriend um i'm wondering victim of the patriarchy to the the max which is interesting which i think (laughs) when you're playing a male hamlet i've always felt like the most feminist way to play ophelia is to really lean in to that societally I- imposed weakness to really yep. let that be the cause of her madness because of spoiler Ophelia goes mad and drowns herself kills herself um and and let that the patriarchy these men who around her who fall apart be the reason why she falls apart how does that change with with Hamlet being a woman and Laertes being a woman that is a great question and it was something I was really um excited by and interested in because I've played Ophelia before um, and felt like, you know, the most agency she has is to push against the patriarchy, but always has to give in mm-hmm. um, textually. Um, and so what what actually I find has happened is it gives Ophelia more room to actually be more of a character, more of a, um, a person who is in this situation, yes, because there's patriarchy at the time, but also that she's in a specific relationship Uh, with her father and she's in a very specific class relationship compared to Hamlet, which is really the distinction in ours. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. Yes. That, that um, it's, we we know what Shakespeare tells us at the top. We never really get to see their love. We just are told it's a forbidden love and that, um, that uh, no matter what Hamlet can't necessarily give him or herself to Ophelia because the voice of Denmark is going to decide who Hamlet marries. So, um, so we begin with a great setup for, especially a, a, 
you know, lesbian relationship uh, at that time that it's forbidden. So that's just a given circumstance, which is great to play with. Yeah, that's um, cool. And ultimately, there is intense, an intense bond there. Um, and, and one that I believe, like, had Polonius not stepped in because Polonius steps in to, um, to uh, basically put a kibosh on this relationship from the get-go, and it's the first shot fired across the bow uh, between Ophelia and Hamlet, that, ha- that Ophelia basically break up with Hamlet, that if that didn't happen, all of Hamlet might not happen in the same way because their their um, bond might have actually saved both of them and they could have communicated through this, mm-hmm. but they are cut off from each other right in the second, third scene. So, um, so that's something that I really uh, think a lot about and fuels me a lot. But also for Ophelia being um, the second daughter, because Laertes in this is played by a woman. Oh, oh she's, yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's um she's the one kept at home, right? So in our time period, which is kind of a um sort of pre-World War One time period, you know, a woman could have gone to college, but probably not all the women of the family. Um, and probably the eldest daughter would be the one, you know, kind of Downton Abbey, like the eldest daughter is the one who represents the family and has a little bit more leeway. Mm-hmm. So Laertes has that kind of... Um, Polonius actually uses the term tether for Hamlet has a larger tether than Ophelia. And so I actually love that there's depictions in our version of more than one kind of woman. Um, Normally it's just Ophelia and Gertrude and Gertrude is the queen Mm -hmm. and Ophelia's, you know, the, the ex-girlfriend. And we can sometimes, I think, uh, make it a little easy on Ophelia that it's just about patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Whereas, this version lets her have more ownership, I think, over her own character and her own choices while depicting the fact that there is still patriarchal uh, oppression around her for a father forcing her, to, you know, a father deciding who she marries, just like Hamlet would have, um, you know, my Hamlet would have. Um, and the same would be true for uh, female Laertes. So there's st- it's sort of yes and that um, we get to see a, a, an Ophelia who is the second daughter has a smaller tether than both Hamlet and Laertes, but also maybe is a type of, of homebody, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who needs to be by her father or whatever one might choose. But there's a, there's a lot of richness to um, a more complex version than just she's oppressed. Cause right. I, I, that that's always been hard for me. Um, like making it like female equals this kind of oppressed weakness, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's my, that's, that's so fascinating. It, what it, what it triggers in my brain is, um, (laughs) Sansa Stark a little, are you a Game of Thrones there? Yeah. So like she got so criticized in the first couple of seasons for, um, being the girliest and being the weakest, but she was just being a woman in a different way. You know, not everyone is Arya Stark. And it's not right. fair just because just because we as women have to push back against the patriarchy. I think it's just as oppressive to expect every woman to be, you know, a Marine or a tomboy yep. or, you know, um, yep. that's really if somehow cool. we got if we somehow got equality, we would all become men somehow. Yeah, which, which is absurd. That's always, 
funny to me because I'm like, no, no, we, I, I something I've been saying a lot because I've been interviewed for a bit for this part is that we all have, you know, Jung really believed in like a masculine feminine balance in the anima for all of us and that men have it, women have it, anything, anyone labels anything in between. And there's probably more words than masculine and feminine that we will discover in our, you know, hopefully long human <laughs> like <laughs> existence. Um, but that that's really what I'm pushing for is like an understanding of each of our own balance and that like feminine men, you know, can have as much freedom to express that femininity as a feminine woman would have to, to access her masculinity. Um, mm. And so I love that Ophelia can be you know, can be girly or feminine or maybe even slightly weak if mm-hmm. we need to use that term, but still be, uh, but still be strong and still be worthy of like, of empathy and love and, and, and sort of like a, a will to, to fight for her. You stated in your New York Times interview that you were playing Hamlet as Wonder Woman. Do you want to speak a little bit to that? Yes, there's like a little bit of interesting uh, poetic license there at work because it's not quite like I'm not like wearing the Wonder Woman costume, although I would love <laughs> although to. Although that would be um, a, a, a very fast, I would see that <laughs> Hamlet. That would be an amazing Hamlet. Um, but that um, largely I saw Wonder Woman the first week of Hamlet rehearsals. And, um, you know, there was there was a there were uh, articles written about this production and my my being cast as Hamlet. Um, very early on from, from, the, from the announcement, so months ago. And that kind of pressure was uh, something I hadn't had to deal with and, and very interesting to navigate because I, I was being told from the outside that, that this experiment might not work. You know, society was, was um, a certain portion of it was echoing that back to me. And then a very large portion was echoing like, yeah, this is so exciting. I can't wait to see this. Um, but to hold that within oneself it, as an artist is, is interesting before you even set foot or speak, you know, the words to be or not to be. And um, and so I when I went in to see Wonder Woman and I was I was so taken with the concept um, that basically under imaginary circumstances, right, super, superheroes, uh which is imaginary because no, no human being has those abilities. That's what right? you think. I can fly. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, you're right. There's all those X-Men out there. Um, but, but that like our, our mythological sort of world of, of human, of humans, uh, you know, creation or, or not depending on who you are, but um, gives men these amazing superpowers. We see them do things that are impossible all the time and we know they're impossible and we, and we still like love to imagine that we love the the fictional um, concept of it. But my, in watching this, I was like, so this is completely a fictional world where people can, and it's beautiful where people can fight gods and, you know, fly and, and do these amazing and, and just, and kick ass so hardcore, you know, and, um, we don't give these powers to women almost at all. Like, I mean, I know in comic books, there's, there's a world of it, but it is extremely much, much less. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly not in the, in the, um, larger sort of like, uh, social world, uh, of mainstream media. And so to see something on this scale, give those kind of powers to a woman in a way that wasn't about, 
her femininity. It wasn't about her gender. It was just human potential, sheer human potential that she, as this body, as this piece of flesh, could move mountains, could could destroy the ground, could fight a god, you know what I mean, could wield a sword this way, but also could love and have that capacity for love and could kiss a man and not lose her power and not lose her goal and not lose her focus and um, still have a deeper drive other than like to get a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she could encompass all these things that was actually quite human, um, meaning both male, female, and everything in between. And that struck me so powerfully because in representation, if we don't see it, how can we believe it? And we know this across race, gender, class, sexuality, like we, we have to tell those stories to know we can, we can be it. And I, um, going on a tangent, like I didn't think I would ever play Hamlet and now I'm playing it. And there are young women in the audience going and telling their mothers who know me or their aunts or what, or their brothers or uncles and saying like, I want to play Hamlet now. Like now it's real to them. And so even though I know I can't be Wonder Woman and fight a God, like I, I, I saw that and was like, but I can, I can kick ass and I can tell these stories and I can, um, encompass desire, duty, vengeance, melancholy, depression, love, lust, uh, petulant, you know, being a little shitty kid, all in one character, and and still uh, be worthy of, of an audience's attention, be worthy of um, empathy, be worthy of them coming on the ride with me, um, really trusting that, like, a woman can do all of that on stage or on screen or in stories or whatever. And those are the stories that I just feel like we have to tell more. Absolutely. I bawled through half of Wonder Woman. Like I was crying my yeah. eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And then when it was done too, I was crying and I was like, oh my God, I've just never even seen anything like that. It's just, yeah. it's fantastic. That is so it's, cool. And I told the guy in, in, in your times, um, Eric Papenberg, I was like, the, the, power of seeing another woman kick ass when we are told so often that we just can't that our bodies are are under attack and that we're weak and that we need external help and not to say that we 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 don't need those things but men need those things too and you know we all are vulnerable creatures but that women can be strong and defend themselves and we need to believe it to be able to do it and I grew up, you know, doing Taekwondo and, um, and learning self-defense. And there is this, there is an amount of the mind that it's like, you can be, you can be as strong as you want, but your mind has to be whole and connected with that too. And it's really important for young women to believe in themselves physically, to know their physical power, as well as their intellect and their comedic abilities and all of those things, because we're, we're not lesser. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That that is so powerful to me, and you know, I have to say that, like, not to you know, because I, I I heard you say earlier that there's a lot of pressure in being a woman playing this role. Being it's been highly publicized, um, but honestly, like as as a woman myself, as a Shakespearean actor, I'm doing two Shakespeare shows this summer. It's been so powerful 
for me to watch your journey just online to see the videos there's this incredible video and we'll link to it in our show notes of you and Laertes um, rehearsing the fights and you know I'm in two shows right now and there are huge fights in both of them and I'm I'm not in them I'm never right. I'm never in them I, w- right. I won't be in them probably most of the time forever um, yeah. and it it was just it, it, it was just really powerful. Um, and you wrote this beautiful thing on Facebook that I would kind of love to read. Is that okay? This was after, I think it was after your first run. And you wrote, my brain and body are a swirl. Many, many thoughts, but one thing I come back to and I'm ever grateful for. I have never been so taxed, so challenged, so brought to bear, so confounded, so excited, so demanded of, so enticed by, so many tools for my toolkit, so many crayons to color with. And it's fucking thrilling and terrifying. Is there a word for that? Because they go together hand in hand. I could probably write a thesis on this, but I will try to sum up my thoughts. My eyes are open. We need more parts like this for women. I have never felt so free entirely, so far from the confines of gender and identity politics. I'm just living the character. Our definition of woman is changing, and we need to push it forward. It's time for for women... And all who uh, and all and any who identify as such to be full, to be free, to be who we all are. Our politics, our societies, our children are begging for it. We are fighters. We are comedians. We are beautiful. We are ugly. We are nasty. We are polite. We are brilliant. We are idiots. We are dangerous. We are safe. We are all these things sometimes at once. This is not a new thought, but it uh, but it can be a new fight, not against any person or people, but rather for the greater good. Ugh, and I was weeping. <laughs> Yeah, I um I wrote that because it was really vulnerable to share my feelings and to share you know, I mean like this part is so intense and it's hard to 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 be to lay it bare and to be that vulnerable as an artist and to say like I'm doing Hamlet, you know. <laughs> right. You're offering up this to the to the, the Shakespeare world and God. But I really felt strongly that I needed to share how it felt to move through this part with especially my female friends and, and, and fellow artists, but men too, um, to, to speak about, you know, the vulnerabilities of doing, doing parts that are so complex and human. And I felt a little like, wait, this has been like, this has been what the guys get to do. I want to do this more, you know, yeah. um, especially cause I love classical work and classical language and Shakespeare's poetry so much. And um, getting to do it in a way where I wasn't constantly thinking about my femalehood, meaning what it meant to be like as a woman during Shakespeare's time in order to understand the decisions that he had to make. You know, if you think about Lady Anne and Richard III and how she can possibly switch over and decide to marry Richard and, you know, the choices that in order to understand them, you really do have to understand the oppression of Shakespeare's time. Mm-hmm. Um on women, the misogyny, um, it, it's, it's wonderful and a, a great historical accuracy to, to delve into the, that world, but it can really take a toll that like, you always feel like you have to have a, that kind of handicap to play mm-hmm. a woman in classical works. And this, I ha- felt none of it. And I didn't even know how much I was feeling that in these past parts, like playing Juliet or Lady Anne or, um, Viola, you know, because you um, played a lot of the big female roles. And when I have this conversation with male friends, they're like, oh, but I would give anything to play Viola or I would give anything to play Kate. And I'm like, you you don't get it, though, because 
Viola has no agency. She cannot do anything. She's fully reactive. Yeah, she literally has to put on a, a, a male costume to move through the world by herself because it's technically so dangerous mm-hmm. for a woman of her stature in society to be without a man. Um, like that's a reason that she puts on, mm-hmm. that's a reason for the play to be, you know, and that, that very thing is, is something you have to think about um, when stepping into that part. And, you know, Shakespeare, yeah, intended all these to be played by men. All men were playing them as women. Um, but it is, as women, when, when we are, if we are confined just to play the roles that are deemed female, um, that, that that's always going to be something that's uh, like a bit of a catch-22. And in playing Hamlet, there is a kind of universality to it that really strips a lot of that away. Um, I mean, I'm still, I'm still me. I'm still female. I, I am very much playing Lena's Hamlet, um, which is a, a key distinction for me as playing it as a woman, not as a man, not as a pants role, mm-hmm. um, but as me uh, in, in my version of femininity doing the things that Hamlet does. And that representation of that to me is extremely important. Not that it's not important for women who are playing it as a man. That's great too. I just think that there's a, it's doing a bit of a different thing to the audience Mm -hmm. representing um, this character, this very complex character as a woman. Yeah. Was was this particular production always conceived this way? Yeah. yeah. um, Our, our director who's a woman is, fantastic and and her when she's asked this question about like why a woman her whole answer is pretty much why not and I love that yeah I because I I do think that there's a way in which we can like talk ourselves into uh kind of a I don't know like a hole around this and it's like the best answer I feel like is why not you know there's not there's not great reasons not to um and and to have she was just excited to to hear these words out of a, a female perspective. And um, yeah. And from then on, and it's kind of not, it's not been, um, there's not much of an agenda to it other than like, you're a woman. Let's now let's just speak, speak the, the text. Speak the and speech. It, yeah. And it, that was very freeing. There's, there's not a sort of bent on like, this is the difference of if Hamlet is a woman, it's just, it, it's quite, it works quite well. I will say that didn't take a lot of manipulating. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about Gertrude for a bit. Sure. Um, This Gertrude Hamlet relationship has been the subject of, I'm sure many, uh, you know, uh, a college thesis. There's often, you know, there's often a lot of sexuality in the scene. Um, Hamlet does a fair share of slut shaming. Um, Mm. What is your play's take on it, and and what is that relationship like? Yes. Um, well, I'll start by saying that uh, the whole play, especially with, I mean, somehow with Carolyn's version of um, having basically all the key father-son relationships now being father-daughter, so King Hamlet and Prince of Denmark Hamlet, um, Polonius Laertes, and then also Fortinbras is a woman who... Oh, cool. Yes. Um, that that re- what she was really interested in was 
kind of getting back into the text and examining relationships. And so our play, I think, if like out of everything, most successfully investigates these relationships. So um, Gertrude and Hamlet is a big, big one because um, we were really eager to unpack that closet scene um, because it's been, Hamlet as a whole has been really handed down as a very specific kind of masculinity mixed with a weakness that people deem femininity um, in a sort of critical analysis world. Um, but also part of that masculinity has to do with this kind of interesting Freudian interpretation of the closet scene and that has imbued a bunch of sexuality. And um, when you put a woman in it, you just have to sort of ask that question again. And we dove into the text and scraped at it and clawed at it. And it just, to me, that sexuality is not in the text. It's, there's nothing written about um, an Oedipal complex. There's, it's not in, I'm going to say something strong. I just, it's not there. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was introduced um, I mean, a while back now, but not during Shakespeare's time. Was it introduced um, during Freud? I would imagine. I would. Uh, I, I Freud actually, our, our dramaturg said this is which uh, her research. Freud actually based the concept of the Oedipal complex, not just on Oedipus, but on Hamlet and Gertrude. Whoa. Um, so Freud read into that, mm -hmm. and then um, Barrymore, I believe, was one of the first um, actors to sort of imbue the scene with that, and then it's um, kind of. That DNA has kind of now run through that scene. Um, and it's, you know, it's an interesting uh, take, and I, I won't say it's wrong. I just don't see it in the text that much. Um, and if it was there, then I would, I would like, fully, you know, it's a, I'm a woman who's playing a contraction to Ophelia, another woman. It could be there, but I don't, I don't find it in the text to play. Um, and I, I do find a lot of... Um, shaming of her mother and of uh, of Ophelia as well. Yeah. Um, and the thing, this is where Portia comes into play with what you're playing this mm -hmm. summer, because uh, I believe Shakespeare wrote uh, Caesar and Hamlet in the same year, or oh, at that least makes they were sense. published. All Portia and, is saying is how weak yep. a thing the heart of woman is. I mean, yep. how hard it is for women to keep counsel. I am a woman. I know I'm a woman, but. Yep. Oh. Yep. And so there is there's self-shaming in there mm -hmm. and there's and a lot of people have been like, well, how can you do that? How can you do the slut shaming? How can you do, you know, and I say it's so easy. Have you never heard women say these things about each other? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, in fact, to me, it makes more sense because there's a self-loathing now in frailty. Thy name is woman. Um, as she as this character is mourning deeply her father. Right. And and can't speak. I have to hold my tongue. Um, in the very first speech of Hamlet, it's about her mother's own transgressions that, you know, like the, you could, you can say that there is a, an element of slut shaming, but also here is a daughter mourning the loss of her father and her mother's not mourning with her yeah. after a month. I mean, that is a kind of betrayal and, um, and loneliness. So to me, Right. To me, the, the shaming of women is largely specific for this character. It's specific because the two key women in, in this character's life, Gertrude and Ophelia, have betrayed her. Her mother in, in, you know, not mourning her father together, not being a family together, and then marrying with someone else and moving on so fast in two months. And Ophelia, 
in my time of need, cutting me off, like literally won't, you know, according to Polonius, denies access, stops mm -hmm. reading my letters, stops receiving them, sends them back. So Hamlet is in a place of being betrayed by the two key women in her life. Um, and I think that, that is, that's the key into all of those digs because Shakespeare has many women have self-loathing digs on on womanhood and Viola has one Portia has one um and it feels like because it was a, a, a man playing it it feels like he puts him in there almost to be like don't forget this is a woman you know it almost feels yeah. like practical like it was serving a more practical purpose than a political one or a, like a comment on gender it feels it feels kind of practical to me yeah, there's, I think there's, we, it's hard to know what Shakespeare really, you know, intended, but there are real practicalities to those things, um, um, you, you know, to, to identifying that these are all male actors and, and what these, each individual characters represent and um, things like that, you know, he does the same thing with identifying like that this is a ghost and right. not necessarily her father and um but i i find it interesting that it's a theme that that shakespeare runs through many different plays about about um womanhood almost as as a larger concept um you know tears being womanly and and things like that that a man has tears but that they can be womanly um the concept of gender back then is, I mean, I've, I've read a lot about it, but it's like, it, it still boggles our mind it, because men in a way, and this is still true, were neutral and women were gendered. And, um, so crazy. And, and that's, I do think we still deal with that mm -hmm. very much so, but men were allowed to contain both femininity and masculinity and, you know, male, male relationships, sexuality had a different connection to gender than we have now. And, um, uh, and Hamlet is known as, as actually quite a balanced character in, in the canon of both masculine and feminine. Um, and so to me, to put a woman playing that, it's now just having, you know, the more feminine side be a little more con concretized and the masculine is the, the part that gets to be pulled out um, mm -hmm. in kind of an exciting way a little more um, that I think sometimes gets shied away from. Um, have so you, yeah. Um, have you seen or heard of anybody else doing a female driven Hamlet? Um, there's definitely many, many precedents, especially for women playing it as a man. There's less, um, precedent for women playing it as a woman, but it definitely has happened. Um, and Shakespeare Santa Cruz, I believe, did it a year or two years ago. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, but there's, there's, there's less. And, and so it's a, it's a newer experiment, um, Women, you know, like Sarah Bernhardt, like I think mm -hmm. one of the, the first women I think was in like the 1700s. I, I might be wrong, but it's it goes far back um, that actresses were playing this part. Um, but I do think something new that that this that this uh, slight tw tweak of playing it as a woman is really crucial to our time now. Mm -hmm. Personally, had you had you seen one before you took it on? I've never seen a woman do it. I, I think I would have felt less nervous if I had. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I've always, like, I've always been in awe of women who have played it, you know, like the Sarah Bernhardt and things like that. Um, um, but I kind of didn't think that I would because I am 
uh, I walk through the world pretty cisgendered and pretty, pretty feminine. Um, and I have curves and I have boobs and I read woman. And so most women who've played Hamlet, um, as a pants role, there's a sort of androgyny, usually androgyny. Yeah. Which is, I I mean, great, but I just thought it was off the limits for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that I would ever, uh, you know, get the chance. I didn't even think I should try to speak any of the speeches in grad school, though every single guy was like (sighs) clamoring to, to work on it. And, um, you know, it's, I was working on Juliet, which was amazing. And I, I love that part. But um, when they called to say I would be playing it, I was scared out of my mind. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> what was that? Tell us about that phone call. Oh, my God. Okay. So, no, I'm not kidding. I got a phone call. I got the message. I was doing another show at ART. And I had auditioned already. And I knew I was sort of in the running, but I had to wait. And I got a message. And it was like, please call me back it was Tim the artistic director and I literally called my fiance and I said um I don't I don't want to call him back because I'm almost positive he's just gonna say thanks for auditioning for Hamlet but we're gonna offer you Ophelia (laughs) (laughs) I was sure of it you guys I was like a hundred percent sure that it was like (laughs) oh you know close but no cigar like (laughs) and um and I really, like, I didn't really want to play Ophelia again. I had played it the summer before, and I, I was, you know, feeling a little, like, coming at the to, to the end of my, you know, connection with this that, that character mm-hmm. in, in a just personal artistic way. Um, and so I was so nervous to call him back, and I think I actually, he doesn't know this, but I probably put it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then finally called and was like, are you are you sure <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what why, why me <laughs> but um but I had an amazing conversation with Carolyn the director who is fantastic and does really powerful transformative things with gender in all kinds of casting and has had great uh, like including casting the woman who plays Gertrude uh played uh Ulysses for our director last last year I believe Whoa. and was amazing and like that's the stuff that I'm just like yes so um and you know to, to much less uh consternation le- less less articles written about that right <laughs> like, come on <laughs> but um I mean you can hear in my voice that I'm a little shocked by how like um how much uh, I don't know interest has been drummed up because this one particular part that I think I, is so iconographic as male is given to a woman that there's some kind of danger in it and um, you know not that they say all press is good press I guess but um, if it gets people to the theater great but I'm a little bit surprised by it and it doesn't uh, you know this kind of reaction doesn't happen as much when we cast, you know, say women as Glendower and one of the Henrys. Right. <laughs> so, right. We have a woman you know. playing Cassius right now. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking with her about you actually, and how uh, about that Facebook po- post that I read earlier. And yeah. um, she was like, yes, this is like unlike any experience that I've ever had before. And she's like, I'm still sort of processing what it's like to have this kind of freedom on space yep. on stage and take yep. up this much space and this much verbal time. Yep. I mean, 
Yep. You can you call it the taming of the shrew. You call Viola the lead. You know, you, you I just did Love's Labor's Lost, and you say it's about four boys and four girls. That text breakdown is never equal. Right. It's never even close. Right. And and also I can't I can't help but thinking, what was it like working on a Shakespeare play where everyone in the room wasn't a dude? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I go yeah. to auditions, and I see women I love, and I'm like, man, it's too bad that we can't be in this play together because one of us is going to get it, and the rest aren't because there's only right. one slot or there's only two and slots. There's one kind of femininity that's a, that's applicable yep. and worthy of representation, and it's and our, our femininities are – and I say that in a very loose term. Our femaleness is very um, pitted against each other, and that, that – that, uh, well, it's, that, it's sometimes even literally pitted against each other in the play to win the heart of the yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And that really grates against like my my feminism, um, uh, and and uh, like I will say if I have like a an artist motto, um, it it has been especially with all the classical work I've done, it has been to bring feminism to these these ingenue characters so that there is a more full depiction of femaleness and femininity in a in the show than is normally thought to be there and i actually think it's very much in the text i think shakespeare wrote amazing women um but but it is you know usually there's one to three and in one play and so when you're in some of those plays where there's just two and you feel pitted against the other for storytelling purposes, like I feel like it's my duty to make that character as complex and as much of a fighting for life or for desire or power, you know, whatever it might be for that character, but they have a fighting spirit. Um, Cause otherwise I just don't think I've done my duty as an artist, not just actor, um, you know, for the audience. So, and I'm reading this amazing book that everybody uh, should read um, that's by Harriet Walter. And she uh, is an amazing British actress who has played, I mean, not like practically the entire canon and now is coming to America, especially New York, um, playing uh, uh, many of the, the key male roles in the canon, um, including Brutus. And so the name of the book oh. is Brutus and Other Heroines. <laughs> oh, my God. I love yes, that. Yes. And it's playing Shakespeare's roles for women. And so I'm halfway through and I am like, she's speaking my heart and my truth. And so any, any theater maker artist, but even anyone just like interested in feminism should read this about, about representation and about having to portray femaleness and femininity um, for the masses. It's just so insightful and it really shows what, what we have to do as actors, especially to think through some of the, the hurdles um, within classical texts, but also uh, kind of what, like, as artists, we're, I, I think what we, sh- we should, uh, I don't know, own up to and, and, and you know, uh, carry the mantle for in terms of women. <laughs> Um, you said something so interesting that, like, with all the press attention and there's less articles written about 
when it's other characters, but this has gotten a lot of attention and there's danger to it. Um, have you received any negative backlash? And like, have you heard from any of like the type of men who are really upset about Doctor Who right now? Like, are there any men out there who's like, Hamlet's a man, it's a, just a man. <laughs> yeah, I am really lucky in that I have, I have surrounded myself almost entirely and in, in a large community of, and actors tend to be this way, um, feminist men. And, and I'm, um, that includes our artistic director and uh, who, you know, is, is fiercely like uh, supportive of us and, and me and, and what we're doing and that there will be people, you know, who will react and, and have and ha come to the play just to be proven right that I shouldn't be doing it or that a woman shouldn't be doing it um, as a woman specifically, I think. I think that's where some of the, the you know, hoopla comes from. But uh, I did make the mistake before coming here of like a press release was, was sent out about um, my casting and uh, and it was on Facebook it wasn't even on like user comments and there were people who just you know strangers who were just like this kind of bullshit like this I won't be coming this is exactly like what I hate like I mean and just like you know hatred geared you know they don't know it but it's at me like mm -hmm. um, um, and such vitriol over something so simple it's just a story you know also yeah. um, also it's a it's a play play, it's a play. It's but a play. i think the word play a, you know a very strong ownership over yeah. this this part and it was men and women it was not just men um of who course were it was saying women. these comments yeah. um and then there was a uh there was a an article written in the local newspaper before we started about literally it's titled should a woman play hamlet Ugh. And so, you know, th those things, they, they're not like the nastiest, but um, I think there's some user comments that are nasty and I don't want to read them. But um, but there's, you know, been a lot of attention. And I think what's dangerous, not to me, but to them, is that it challenges this this maleness and uh, probably for some, for the women who react that way, probably a sense of their femaleness, too, um, that is is just confounding to me because I'm like, it doesn't change what you need to be. It just opens up a world for everybody else who's on a gray scale of identification and gender and, and sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people say like, I can get on board with a woman playing it, but not with like a lesbian relationship. And it's, it, you know, to me, it's still just a story. This, this is, these are two characters in love and it's forbidden love. And then there's a betrayal. What more do you need? <laughs> right. Everyone you, should you be just... able to relate to that. You yeah. know, everyone's yeah. felt those feelings. Also, like yeah. I was saying, if you like Days of Our Lives, tune into Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> it is intense. Family drama, political drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of political drama, does it at all feel like an act of resistance doing this under Donald Trump? Yeah. I felt when I wrote that Facebook post, it was largely connected to I think I think actually the picture of all the men in the room in the Oval Office mm -hmm. making decisions about women's health care had just come out where not a single woman was in the room. And and that feeling that it can give you of such hopelessness, such mm -hmm. un, no representation, not under none like and they're all white conservative men. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is like so it's not just white. It's not just men. It's like it is a very particular group of people who are disenfranchising 
oh, huge, more than half the country. Um, and uh, that, I know that in my heart that that can make you feel so hopeless and helpless, but playing this part, and I, I know it sounds so cheesy, but seeing Wonder Woman and seeing the power put in our hands and feeling it like every night, feeling how human I am and how much force I have when I allow myself to, I was like, we can make change. Like it's not just on Elizabeth Warren mm -hmm. or the fact that Hillary lost the election or anything. It's not one woman. It's like, this is a movement and I feel it. I feel it shifting. I feel identity shifting. I feel recognition of what woman means shifting and it only makes us stronger the more I think diverse that that definition gets um and and more powerful and so like I really have this deep desire that there can be unity in how strong and human women are as opposed to the gendered sex or the other you know mm -hmm. and and it's so crazy because there's there's more of us but we are we are divided along different lines of of race and and class and proximity to to privilege and power and um i the feeling that i have when i play hamlet i'm like i want to like bottle this feeling and give it to every little girl to every one of my women friends because there's versions of this in every career i think and we have to keep speaking it and telling it and representing it. And the more we see it, the more you, you can't fight it. I really believe that. Yeah. Well, to wrap it up a little bit, um, I would yeah. love it if you could give us all a piece of advice that you take with you in the world from doing this, from being Hamlet. Like, what can we all learn from Hamlet that we could take with us every day? Oh, my gosh, from being Hamlet. There's so much. I mean, it's uh, this kind of ties to what I was saying before we started uh, that that living with Hamlet is a real interesting um, living with sort of like the Hamlet ghost, the Hamlet character in my day to day has been an interesting battle because Hamlet's got deep grief and melancholy and anger and is betrayed, but has deep love. And that is um that is a, a thing to carry and uh, a depth of feeling that is, you know, whew, mm -hmm. a lot to, to hold on the day to day. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling with my own process of how to like get back to Lena. Sometimes I found, found I'm much more um, introverted at the moment <laughs> mm -hmm. than I normally am. Uh, but the, I love how much this character feels um and and I, i've actually found a lot of freedom in the moments when hamlet actually forgets for a moment and is like first around rosencrantz and guildenstern and first sees horatio and and actually first proves the ghost right there's joy in this character um and there's such wit and and great grace and she kind of can forget her melancholy and um there's so it's not to say that the melancholy is bad, but that there's so much in her world that I just like, I think I want to take and want other people to take how complex this character is and, and remember that like, it's okay to be that full and that complex and confusing and, and that sometimes an asshole and sometimes so 
wonderfully kind and sweet and um I don't know that's kind of I'm not being very uh, articulate with it but that's I do beautiful think I, love it. I do really think that it's important um because it all comes back to the fact that Hamlet fights for what she believes in which is which is to avenge um corruption because what's yeah. ultimately I mean that yeah. yeah there you go gee whiz yeah. we all gotta keep doing that <laughs> right and so she keeps fighting and even when she's dying she knows she's been poisoned I, she says three times tell my story mm. like you you have to live Horatio to tell it and to um I'm dying but my my name isn't cleared and and the full story hasn't been told and I'm, I haven't fully gotten to tell it. It's not done just because there's a dead body of Claudius next to me. You have to tell the story, Horatio. Yeah. And that to me is intrinsically linked with how deep this character feels and, and sacrifices herself to do the right thing, whether or not that is the right thing. I'm not going to say, (laughs) (laughs) but she truly believes it, you know, and yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Awesome. For any listener who is in the Colorado area, how much longer will this show be running? We run till August 13th. Um, we are selling out very, very fast. Awesome. We are possibly adding a show. We are running in rep with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, so we don't have um, eight shows a week of Hamlet. So mm-hmm. if there's anyone out there who wants to see it, you have to be very particular with your calendar dates before you... Mm-hmm commit um so yeah and what would, city what theater we'll link to this too but just go ahead and it is now. in boulder colorado at colorado shakespeare festival awesome this is so cool thank you so, thank you so, so much, much. Lena. thanks for talking you guys yeah. that was great i hope i didn't just like <laughs> blabber no, blabber uh thanks so much for listening clams you can catch us on instagram twitter facebook Uh, reach out with questions comments concerns and we'll catch you clams uh in the tide next friday welcome to the clam bake it's the opposite of a sausage fest just a couple of vaginas talking what's a creative podcast network